0: So a little boy playing in his sandbox and his mum comes to the kitchen door and calls for him to come in for his supper. And um, he just continues playing in the sandbox as if he hasn't heard her. And she keeps calling to him and um, he keeps not responding until she has to go out and come to where she can actually see his eyes and tells him that he needs to come in. And when she asks him, why didn't you answer me? With remarkable honesty, he replied, I thought, if I pretended I couldn't hear you, then you might leave me alone. Uh, Katerina, our daughter, came to the service yesterday evening and she said, Mummy, as you were telling that story, I thought you were going to tell the story about me and Viskaya Pool when we used to. And I said, No, but I will now at the other services. <laughs> She was my water baby, and so when we lived in South Florida and we take her swimming, she said, I used to do that, you know, I used to dive under the water so that I, I couldn't hear you and I wouldn't respond to you. And I think sometimes we're like we're like Katerina in the water or the little boy in the sandbox um, with God and his word in the scripture. Sometimes there are difficult passages for us and we want to pretend that we really can't hear so that he'll leave us alone. But you see, the mother of the boy knew that he needed more than just playing in the sandbox all day long. He needed nourishment, and he needed rest in order to grow up to be a healthy adult. See, true love makes us persevere with what is good and healthy for our children, even in the face of anger and sometimes even rejection. You see, love has to be tough sometimes. And that's some of what is happening in today's gospel story. Of course, in today's culture we've confused toleration and love. In fact, we've almost conflated the two together in the mind of today's culture. Toleration, though, lets the other do whatever they want, even if it means the other's ultimate destruction. But love holds fast to the greater good in spite of all things love holds fast to the greater good this is the divine love that we see in our gospel story god always has our greatest good in view, but his viewpoint is not necessarily ours. We hear that again and again in Scripture because God is outside of time. We think temporally. We think this life. we, We think this earthly age. God, who is outside of time, thinks eternity thinks the age to come in which we have the fullness of life. And so his parental love, his Abba love, his fatherly love comes to us from that perspective. It's about life in the fullness in the age to come, not just the life that we live now, although he was very much engaged in this life as well. But when he is loving us, when he is leading us, it is always with a much bigger picture in mind. This actually is the question that this young man who from the other Gospels we hear is um, young and a ruler. Mark just tells us that he's a man comes up to Jesus and we know from the story that he's rich. So he's come to us as the rich young ruler or the rich young man down through the ages. Because his question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, note that his question is not, How do I get to heaven when I die? That's not what his question is. His question is, What must I do to inherit eternal life? The inheritance of the new age, the inheritance of of the age to come the age that has been prophesied that as a a young man who is intent on leading a good life would have looked at and seen all the prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures the prophecies that say in the age to come the lion will lie down with the lamb there will be justice and peace Deserts will be turned into flowering meadows. The righteous dead will be raised to new life when sin, suffering and death will be no more. What must I do to inherit the life of the age to come, to live into that, to get that as my inheritance it's precisely the age that Jesus has been talking about to his disciples since Peter acknowledged that he was indeed the King, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He's tried to be explain to them what this age to come, which is already broken in with Jesus, is all about. Different from the kingdom that they're thinking about. But the kingdom is about God ruling as he always intended to do so. Note that the young man is not trying to trick Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees have asked him questions to try and trip him up, to trick him. But he comes running up to Jesus, falls at his feet and asks this question. He really wants to know the answer to this question. And we'll see uh, as the story progresses that he has tried to walk in the way of righteousness since he was a youth. And Jesus' response is initially rather confusing because he starts off by saying, Why do you call me good? There is only one who is good, one alone who is good, and that's God. And then he says, you know what the commandments are. It's interesting here that of the ten commandments that he refers, that that we have, that Moses received on Mount Sinai from God, Jesus here is only referring to those that relate to our human-to-human relationships. The first four are about our relationship to God. He doesn't mention those yet but he does mention about the relationships of of us as humans one to the other. See, in the age to come, we won't need those commandments because we won't need to be taught not to sin. There will be no sin, and so justice and peace, there will be no murder, there will be no adultery, there will be none of those things. So we will be living in that world without any kind of a temptation to do those things. The commandments will no longer be necessary because it is what we will be doing in the age to come. And so the rich young ruler's response to that is, I've kept those from my youth. He really is a young man who wants to do good. And Jesus looks at him is that a wonderful just image there? Jesus is looking at him. He is looking into his heart. He's not just looking at him, but he's looking to see if what he is saying is true. Is it true in the deepest places of his heart? And he looks at him and this response of the young man, and what do we hear? He loves him. He loves him, but it's tough love. He doesn't just pat him on the back and say, well, that's wonderful, that's, that's good, that's great, now go your way. He says, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Because he knew about his wealth He knew about all of this young man's possessions and he knew what a grip they had on his life. And so the challenge for this young man is go, sell all, give to the poor and then come and follow me. See, in actual fact, that encapsulates the first four of the commandments Relationship to God you will love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind is how Jesus uh, paraphrases and encapsulates those four first commandments that the Lord gave to Moses come and follow me in other words find all of your security only in me Let go of all of the things in which you have placed your false sense of security and follow me. Let go of those. I'm the only place in which you can find your true security. And then one of the saddest phrases in all of scripture, he went away. Because such was the grip of his wealth on him, that he could not place that at a lower level than his security in Jesus Christ. And he went away. It's as difficult as it is for him, for us today, because we live... In this consumer society I'm reading a book right now Called Rescuing the Church from Consumerism Because the church also is in the thrall Of a consumer mindset We consume We love things Let me tell you I did not want to preach this sermon Because my Amazon account was just staring me in the face as I'm wrestling with this and wrestling with God and saying, I know. This is part of being in a consumer society. We are grabbed by the amount of things that we can get. And we get our false sense of security in things. But the challenge for us as it was for the rich young ruler is to move the locus of our security from our purchasing power to God's power through Jesus Christ We've got to move the locus of our security from our power to purchase to consume to God's power through Jesus Christ That has to be the top. That has to be where we find all of our security. That's what Jesus is saying to those rich young men. He's not saying um, to us through the centuries, you know, go and live in a hippie commune where you share everything together. He's looking into the heart of the young man and he sees that in which this young man places the most security. He finds his security in his wealth and his possessions. For us, it might be our finances. It might be our human relationships, our family, our intelligence, our status in society. It might be any of those things that for us is our place of security, but it's a false place of security and those things need to be relegated lower down on our value scale it doesn't necessarily mean that the Lord is going to ask us to give up those things he might he might if we're grabbing on to them still but we're challenged to walk around in that place where what would it be like if I actually did have to let go of all that? If the Lord actually asked me to lead a much simpler life, a much pared down life, a letting go of all of the things life, can we walk around in that place and truly then say, If you require it of me, Lord, it's okay. And as he looked at that rich young man, he will look into our hearts and see if that is truly true. For in the letter to the Hebrews it says he judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. For Jesus himself is the word of God, which is alive and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, he says. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, when we're confronted with these kind of passages in Scripture, we can certainly be like Katerina underwater as long as she can stay there, or the little boy in the sandbox. But our parent, our heavenly parent, looks at all of our lifespan in this present age and in the age to come, and he says, Where your security is to be found is in me, in me alone. Letting go of all of our false securities by leaving them behind and following closely the one in whom is true security, the one who is good, who is Jesus, Why do you call me good? There's only one who's good and it is Jesus who is God. For you see the treasure in this age will not follow us in the age to come. Our treasure in the age to come which we will inherit as followers of Jesus is not money or things. See even now We're depositing our treasure for the age to come in the bank of that future age to be taken out when we enter fully into it. It's trusting in Jesus as our only place of security. He says, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. Let us place all of our security in Jesus alone, who is the one who is good. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed on page 358 in the Book of Common Prayer. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father,